So without further ado, I stopped sharing Stephen Burke. So you could, you have a lot of great slides. So if, if anything on it, I, given uh, th those slides, the topic and our crowd, you, uh, might, you might end up starting at about five minutes late. I'm going to try and go fast. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we have uh, we have so many debates in our country now. One of them is: Are we debating the uh, money being put out? Is that relief or stimulus? And I think it depends on which seat you're in. But um, let's just avoid those uh, the political aspect of it and just talk about what's going on and <clears throat> what did we say is some of the impacts and what are some of the debates that that are going on from an economic perspective, less from a political perspective, although it's hard to disconnect the two. But I wanted to just go back and how we how did we get here? Because it goes to one of the questions Zell asked last week, which is how do you explain the disconnect between the markets and the economy? <clears throat> and I think you have to think about the three big events that we've had over the last 20 years, starting with the tech bubble, which had Greenspan lower rates, into the great financial crisis, which uh, really introduced the most unconventional policy from a monetary perspective we've seen, combined with fiscal stimulus. And then you had the great virus crisis of last year, which uh, you really had QE plus and then uh, stimulus, the likes of which we haven't seen. But it is important throughout this to keep in mind what the Fed's role is. And it really is their dual mandate has been maximum employment and price stability. And I think the maximum uh, employment came later uh, in the 40s, but um, it doesn't matter. Those are the two ones that people are focused on, and particularly for Jerome Powell, the view of that. What I would say, and I think this is an important nuance of Yellen shifting into the Treasury role, is that Yellen is a labor economist by background, and I think we're redefining what maximum employment is going to be as we move forward. And I think they're going to look at it, not just on the overall numbers, but basically by subgroups, whether it's uh, unemployment for women, unemployment for minorities, unemployment for different age groups. I think we're going to be redefining what maximum employment means, maybe not as a standard for what the Fed follows, but certainly what the intent of what they follow will be. And it certainly will be a bigger element from the fiscal side as to how we how we manage the unemployment issues. So when you go back to, to 2001, it's important to think about the rates were in a fairly normal range back then, where we we're looking in the you know 10 year Treasury in the uh, 5% range, 5 to 6% was really what the historical average for Treasuries has been. What you see now is we've moved them down to below what the historical average for money markets have been, which was around 3% if you go back in time. So a big drop in the early 2000s to deal with the tech, the aftershocks of the tech bubble, you saw it start to gradually move back up as the economy was healing. And then the massive drops that we've seen both in the great financial crisis and the great virus crisis. It's also important because housing was such a key driver of both the wealth of individuals in the U.S. and also the economic activity of the U.S. that mortgage rates coming down as they have. And this is actually fascinating. If I took this chart back to the early 80s, um, for those who were around in the late 80s, you were getting, you know, mortgage rates around, uh, 8% plus. 
um, 8 to 12 percent, depending on the time uh, those last couple of years. In the early days, it was even higher. Now we're looking at mortgages in the 276 range. So a pretty fascinating change in terms of what that means for the ability for people to access homes. Uh, but we also have to keep in mind part of the problem for the great financial crisis was that everyone was viewed to need to have a home. This is houses for sale. And you go back to the early 80s, the last time we had a big move up in rates um, and you saw what happened. Then you go into the late uh, into the early 90s. Again, a spike up in rates. Housing uh, houses for sale went way up when you went to 07 and the great financial crisis. You really had people who were well underwater. So one of the things that the Fed was very cognizant of is not just increasing asset values for the wealthy, but since homes were the biggest asset value for most families, to get the asset values back and get as many homes that were underwater on their mortgages to move up, that was a big part of the push to lower rates to allow refinancing to make houses more affordable. It was also designed to stabilize the financial system as the concern about banks uh, through the derivatives being over overwhelmed was another key element. So in context, this is all important to keep in mind. Why were the policies put in place by the Fed and by the uh, monet- by the fiscal uh, authorities uh, to deal with the crisis that we were in? One of the key elements was coming out of this by lowering rates and giving buying time for the economy. It let it, households have uh, household debt service as a percent of GDP come down considerably, taking a lot of pressure off the uh, consumers. And for a, a society that in the U.S. that is about 70 percent consumer driven, an economy that's 70 percent consumer driven, this is fundamental to give them more dollars to spend and shift where their spending is going to more productive ways. So I think these are all important elements, but it's also important to see what we had in terms of the shift in the Fed balance sheet. And what you can see is uh, for most of the time from the inception, uh, the Fed balance sheet was very low. Back to 07, 08, we were looking at basically $850 billion of uh, assets, and now we're looking at over $7 trillion. Um, so this is the big shift, and this is the the big question out for the future, and it also leads to the question, you know, what are we doing to our uh, our kids and our grandkids? Looked at it differently just from 05 to give you a different scale. It's really fascinating to see going from under a trillion dollars to over seven trillion, and it's hard to believe that we're talking about a six trillion dollar increase as if it's, you know, what's required, and, and are we going to grow this even more for some of the stimulus that's uh, still to come. So fascinating look at the at the balance sheets of the U.S. and how much we've actually thrown at the problem. Why is that? Well, employment's one of the big drivers of it, and the unemployment numbers, and this goes back to right after World War II. So in the early 50s, you had a, just over 7 8% uh, levels uh, back into the 80, which um, – People never wanted to go back to those levels again. And lo and behold, in 2010, we came up short. But then you look today and we're much higher than this. This is one of the numbers the Fed's looking at. I'll talk in a minute about the other number and what's really driving the debate between Janet Yellen and uh, Larry Summers. So the question is, go big and how big do we go? And that's the nine trillion plus question, because this is just the first stimulus. 
there's more planned to come to support the system. So many view this as the relief bill. And Yellen thinks if this goes through, we can get employment back down to 4% in 12 to 18 months, which would be where we were before the pandemic hit. Um, Summers, on the other hand, takes the view that this is going to create too too much stimulus, going to create too many risks and too much uh, inflation without being targeted enough to deliver what we need to deliver. And will you solve the problems of the people that you're trying to avoid leaving behind? So I want to talk about this a little bit more and get into some detail and talk about some of the differences between 09 and today and why we think uh, that some of this is uh, there's merits to both sides. So uh, Yellen's concern was about scarring and inequality. It's about uh, that the needs are too great to not go long, go bigger. And if we went bigger earlier, we would have been better off. And one of the lessons that central banks and governments took from the 09 crisis, the great financial crisis, was to act fast and act decisively. And they did that again this time. The question is, did they go too far? And when you look at these numbers, it's hard to argue that it was too much, too much, or, or is it not enough? Um, we have more to come. This doesn't count the 1.9 trillion, and it doesn't count proposals for infrastructure plans, which could add in total another three to four trillion dollars uh, to the stimulus that's been put at it, bring us well in excess of 50 percent for a GDP that dropped probably three percent last year. So let's talk about what's really driving Yellen's thinking, and a lot of this is around the U6 unemployment rate, which is. They're really the broader, broadest measure of unemployment, taking into account the total unemployed, plus those marginally attached to the labor force, plus those working part-time for economic reasons. So uh, these are all funny calculations that you come up with, but just to give you a sense, the difference, the differential of this is looking like, you know, we got up to 23% of when you take into the full unemployment levels. You're looking at now we're only down to around 11 and a half percent. What Yellen's concerned about is that 14.8 million jobs were lost due to uh, business closures or layoffs from businesses that were struggling due to the pandemic. Um, What Yellen's also worried about is we have big long term unemployed numbers. So people have been unemployed for over 27 weeks is about 4 million people, and it's been holding pretty steady there. That's a big concern because that's where the economic scarring comes in. On two ends, you have people in their 50s who may not not get a job again because they were laid off, yet they're going to live to 86, 87 years old. How do they deal with that, and what's the burden that puts on the system? And what does that do to mental health issues and other issues? On the other end, we have people that – or in service areas that may not get jobs and don't have the educational backgrounds for it, and what do we do for them? So that's kind of where the go big right now uh, scenario comes in uh, from the Yellen side. From the summer side, the too much stimulus is uh, and too much potential for inflation is a key element of it. So let's talk about uh, what he's really focused on. He's looking at, at a couple things. One is the job openings and the job openings against unemployment. So I'm going to give you some statistics that I don't have in the slides. So just follow along if you can. In October of 19, the ratio of those unemployed to the, to those with job openings was 0.81%. 
Um, in April, it went up to 4.63%, and now it's uh, 1.62 as of December, so it's come back down. The concern is that the job openings are there, but the unemployment numbers are not are mismatched, and the worry is that um, the amount of money that we're throwing at the problem is uh, having people being discouraged from even going back to work. And to put it in real dollars, um, if somebody was earning pre-tax $1,000 a week um, before the latest stimulus proposals, they would have earned about $22,000 over six months. If you're uh, laid off um, or collecting unemployment plus the $400 a week uh, uh, extra uh support plus the tax credits, you would be earning about 30000 for that six-month period. That 8000 differential is the concern that Summers has that's going to hold people back from looking for jobs. Now, is that a long-term problem or not? Hard to tell, but that also encourages people not to look. The longer you're out, the harder it is to find a job, and the further your skills deteriorate from being relevant in the, in the system. So this is one of the big areas for debate. Another area is the amount of debt that we've taken on and what it's doing to uh, the system. Uh, just to give you a sense, we're about $360 billion of interest costs right now. If we move to 3% uh, interest cost on that, it would double the amount of debt that we would have, uh, debt servicing costs that we would have. So uh, adding another probably, uh, you know, $400 billion, you go to seven, uh, go to another uh, 1% to 4%, and you're looking at adding $500 billion to debt servicing costs, uh, and we'd still be at not really high interest rate levels. So that's a that's another concern that we have to look at. But the real debate's going to be around output gap, and that's the uh, where the economy is to uh, current GDP to what the potential of the economy is going to be. And one of the big issues, going comparing 09 to today is that in 09 we had unemployment rising. Today we have unemployment dropping, even though we have some bad uh, characteristics of it. Back in 09, the output gap was about 80 billion a month and it was rising. Uh, so the stimulus that we added was 30 to 40 uh, billion a month then. So we short armed it back then. Uh, it was only 50% of the shortfall. So that was back in 09. Where are we today? Well, unemployment's dropping, but we have some stubborn unemployment. The Congressional Budget Office is projecting that as of 12:30, the output gap was 50 billion, heading to 20 billion dollars a month. So the stimulus we're proposing to add is about 150 billion dollars a month, or six times the expected output gap. So that's where Summers is coming from the concern about inflation. So you have different employment picture, different output gap, and there's concerns about the disincentives to go back to work. So we have a view that um, we're going to be in a situation where this debate's going to rage for a while. I think Summers, um, who would be more aligned to Yellen for most of their careers, is now taking a pretty divergent view. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. We heard last week from Jay Powell at the Economics Club that he is not in the camp of worrying about inflation. Uh, we've been running at uh, pretty significant uh, levels below targeted inflation for a couple-year period now. Inflation expectations have been coming down for quarterly on a quarterly basis for some time. 
So I think there's a bit of a misperception about the stimulus. And I brought this up last week. The economic stimulus that was put into the system starting back in 2000 was uh, to design to help the housing market, not for the high end, but for the low end people who are underwater on their mortgages. That flowed through to the great financial crisis where we had to start lowering uh lowering the prices again, lowering interest rates again to stimulate demand to create a problem, a growth in the economy. It was also designed to inflate asset values, but not just for the wealthy, but for those owning homes so that they could uh, become above water on their houses and have a shot at um, at improving their their uh, net worth and their income levels and to, to move up in in their social uh, stratosphere. We've had a carve out of the middle class. This is exacerbating that, but they're left with bad choices. It's really, uh, it's fascinating the the experiment we're under. We think the government didn't have a lot of good choices. They should have moved more in 09. They may be moving too much now, uh, but it should be more targeted to target the people, particularly in the minority uh, category and the working single mothers that are being laid off to help them deal with the relief issues. And on a stimulus side, we should really focus on the things that we can all agree on, which are the need for infrastructure spending, the need to invest more in education, the need to take care of our digital infrastructure and the like. So there's places where we should be spending. But if we do 1.9 trillion now, untargeted, followed by an infrastructure plan, that's probably going to have some pretty bad unintended consequences as we move forward. So with that, Mark, I'll stop there and uh, and ha- be happy if you just move to the other without taking questions, if that was okay. But no, I'm happy to take a question or two so we can get to the uh, cannabis one. Now, now, now you've assured that we're gonna we're gonna have an extended Q and A now. Now that you've said that. Well, you can cut it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, super presentation, Stephen. Um, really interesting. It is amazing that you can have Yellen and Summers on opposite sides of the stage now. Um, quick, quick question. I was scribbling the notes, so maybe I missed it. On the uh, output gap, what do you think they're looking at as far as the potential? Well, actually, the number is uh, – uh, let me just pull that down. Um, they're looking at uh, where 20 20- – Billion away from where we should be now, um, in terms of the gap. So we're not that far behind potential right now. The problem is not the total economy. The problem is the subsets of the economy and how do we provide the relief to those most in need and not do it in a way that creates this disincentive for the capitalist system to work where people want to work. They want to be gainfully employed and they want to have the benefits that come with being successful. Um, so, you know, we're talking about throwing 150 billion a month. What they're seeing is a 20 billion a month problem now. Stephen, how confident are you on the unemployment numbers that you used? You know, the, the, that, that's always a moving target, at least in the past. Uh well, they're government numbers, Jim, so <laughs> I, don't I guess the answer would be uh, they're the best we have. Um, I think the I think the I think they continue to fine tune them. Uh, I think what we have a problem with is looking 
too much at the aggregate and not enough at the composition of them. And I think to deal with the inequality issues, we have to be much more targeted in what we do and be more thoughtful about the debate in taking it down to the right levels to provide help. Because I, I truly believe that the vast majority of people want to work, they want to be successful, and they want to have uh, – they don't want to rely on the government because you can't rely on them for extended periods. Um, so I would expect that um, we're going to get more targeted in looking at the composition of the numbers more carefully. And then your question becomes even more relevant, Jim, of how good are those numbers at those levels? Um, Stephen, amazing. Always amazing. I look forward to this best part of my week. Um, one of, Sorry. <laughs> no, really, it's just, just amazing. Um, I heard, I want you to comment on something because you, you mentioned the gap, uh, wealth gap and the government trying to deal with the wealth gap. I was listening to this podcast. Um, you know, women have a, a 30 cents for every dollar to invest that men have. And then black women and brown women have one cent to every dollar. And so, it seemed, and this is a lady that runs some sort of uh, organization for women to invest, so to help women invest, and that's where her focus was. Uh, she used to work for City, used to work for some of the other big banks. Yeah, what's, what's the question? Um, how is this going to, how, how much of this driving of the asset, increasing the asset value for, for people who don't have assets and increase their wealth is going to be affected by all of what they're doing now? Thank you. That's uh, a great question that deserves a much longer answer, and I think Mark's going to allow me time for it. But um, I think some of it will go a long way because when you're helping the broader economy, it does allow for job creation to come, which will help them indirectly, not directly. But clearly, if you don't have assets, you don't benefit from the low interest rates. Um, you actually are probably hurt by it because what assets you have, you're probably putting in savings, which are earning nothing. Um, it was designed to really build the overall system, strength, the overall system to let the weak areas get pulled along. But what we have to do is start targeting those areas that need the greatest help faster. So, um, and that's where getting a more targeted approach is going to matter. So I think it's not going to help them as much directly. It'll help them indirectly in having greater opportunities for jobs and better jobs. <laughs> 